Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. This week, Matt welcomes Evelyn Vinyl, a burlesque performer, model, and costume designer from Nashville, Tennessee. Founder of her own costume and lingerie design company, Blue Lawless, Evelyn chats with Matt about what inspired her to start such a company and how she got started in burlesque. In burlesque production, Evelyn chats about her ability to drift between the personal and more serious acts to the more silly and goofy ones. She chats about the positives and negatives of the burlesque scene, its community troubles, and how she's fashioned a career around it. From her time as a figure skater to the concept of the Vortex, here's presenting Matt Storm and Evelyn Vinyl. And welcome to Autographs. I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest this week is Evelyn Vinyl. Thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. We miss you here in New York. You left us. Um, Mostly me, because I'm selfish. Um, No, but you moved to Nashville. Which uh, I am also jealous of because I hear Nashville is amazing. It's pretty fantastic. I uh, like it. Um, was it a? I actually don't know that I asked you this before you left. Why Nashville? Was it because there was a growing Wasabasco community out there already with Gigi, or, or was it because it was the place that you just wanted to go? Well, it it definitely helped that Gigi was out there. Um, you know, my husband and I needed a change of pace, and he's a musician, so right. it was basically L.A. or Nashville. Right. We thought about L.A., we looked at L.A. and went, mm, uh, <laughs> lateral move. So we ended up in Nashville, visited a bunch of times, and fell in love with the city. And really, it's been it's been a good change, I think, change of pace. That's awesome. It must definitely be a cheaper cost of living, for oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> much, much, much cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the thing that always kills me about being in New York, and I've been in New York my whole life, is the cost of living. Because oh, it just uh, goes up and up and up. Yeah. Um, so um, I know Evelyn, for back, some background for the listeners, I know Evelyn through Wasabasco is where we met many years ago. I've been doing DJing for over six years already. Oh, my God. Right? Really? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It feels... Uh, yeah. Um, and, of course... Um, I, my favorite story that I was just telling you off air is how you destroyed my perception of personas because for those who have not yet seen Evelyn perform, go see her. But oh. um, your persona is very confident and very strong. You know, you're physically fit and you're, you know, always use, having this energy and power and prowess on stage, which I was like, wow, she's so awesome and like larger than life. And then we talk, we meet backstage and you're like, I am Evelyn Vinyl. It's nice to meet you. And you're quiet and timid, which is pretty much how I spent my whole life as a nerd. And so I was like, oh, they're people like me. Yeah, we're real people. <laughs> right? Um, although I'll admit sometimes when I'm talking to Nasty, I still go, it's Nasty Canasta. She's so great. I know. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, on a regular basis, I'll be backstage with people, and I'll be like, yeah, this is cool. Oh, my God, I'm <laughs> backstage with this person and this person, and I'm terrified. Right. You know. Um, so how long have you been doing burlesque for? It'll be seven years in December. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is crazy to me because it's I still feel like a newbie most of the time. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't get that at all from your performances. Oh, it like every other day feels like, ah, oh, do I really know what I'm doing? Am I really like ready to be putting this thing on stage? Like I have acts that I've been doing for years and I still, it's still a progress. Like uh, or a process for me. It's still something that I'm working on, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm trying to put it out there to see the reaction, to see what's happening, and then it winds up being like, oh, okay, well, actually, I've been doing this act for four years. Oh. <laughs> well, I feel like also if an act stops evolving, it stops being interesting, maybe. Like, yeah. you're always doing little things to it, I'm sure, different mm-hmm. moves or different costume pieces or whatever. Totally. Um, did you always want to be a burlesque performer? I imagine... Not when you were younger, younger, but... Yeah, no, I mean, when I was younger, I thought I was going to do everything from be a 
geneticist to working for the FBI. Wow. Um, clearly, that was not even close <laughs> to the track that I was going on. But when I was in college, I was going to study fine arts. Mm-hmm. Well, my college got rid of my major. My what? freshman year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. My freshman year of college, they got rid of my major. And I went, so now what? My parents asked me if I wanted to change schools, and I was like, well, I started taking theater classes, and I'm kind of interested. So on a whim, I switched to doing theater. Um, So I graduated with a degree in theater, mostly, like, concentrated in performance. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was a costume designer for six years. Oh, wow. So that kind of gave me the push to be able to do costumes for different styles, but it wasn't until I moved to New York that I really contemplated burlesque and where were you before new york uh mostly grew up in the boston area okay and so um i'm guessing having a base in costume design has kind of made it easier for you to slip into burlesque do you remember the first show you saw or how you got really interested i do i uh my friend took me to the slipper room Mm -hmm. and i watched julie atlas muse and gal friday and who else was in that show Gosh, there was, I mean, it was a ridiculous cast. And, you know, looking back on it now, I I had no idea at the time that I was watching some of the top people in New York and in the scene. Sure. Itself, like, uh, you know, doing their thing. And I just, my mind was blown. I was sitting there going, I want to try this. Yeah. I really want to try this. And then I found out there was a school. And I was like, well, I've got a theater background. I've got a dance background. I've got performance background since I was little. Like, let's see what happens. So, you know. That seems like a good solid start. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's funny to me when you go back and realize, like, the people you saw in your early shows. Like, one of the first performers I ever saw was Peekaboo Point, mm. who's been around forever. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the time, I'm like, oh, she's really great. And then, like, now, then the like the longevity and the legend of those people hits you after the fact. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember I was talking to someone in theater outside of the burlesque scene, and I happened to mention Tigger. And they lost it. They're like, yeah. you know Tigger? Oh, my God. Because, you know, I mean, he's huge in the drag scene and he's big in theater as well. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I forget. Cause to me, he's just Tigger, this guy that I've performed with who's wonderful and who I know through the burlesque scene. And I forget that they're larger than life even sometimes outside of that. Oh, sure. Which is really, really interesting to me. Yeah. I think I think the thing I like about burlesque the most, though, for the most part, is that the performers don't have big heads, you know. Pers- the, <laughs> for the most part. For the most part. <laughs> there are exceptions to every rule. But, like, for the most part, it's a welcoming community. And, like, if you treat people with respect and you're kind and you work hard there's a, a level of kindness and reciprocation that I don't see in other artistic industries. Yeah, totally. Especially on the smallest scale, too. What's the most... I mean, the thing that drew me in was that it's the most expressive art mm-hmm. that I've ever experienced because you you are taking so much of yourself and applying it to different parts, mm-hmm. and you're creating your own play, mm-hmm. like a one-person play, and trying to convey something in three to five minutes or more depending on the person (laughs) and you are trying to present yourself Mm -hmm. and your art and this thing that you've created all at once yeah in that amount of time yeah and how do you do it and how do you do it well and how do you leave the audience wanting more by the end let's talk about that a little bit because I'm always fascinated with performers, how they create their performances. Mm. Do you start with music, narrative, dance, like uh, concept? How do you usually build an act or does it vary from act to act? Yeah, it varies. Like if I'll hear a song and it'll hit me really hard and I'll be like, oh, I'd love to do something to this. Or it'll immediately make me think of something in particular and I'll be like, oh, well, that's an act right there. Right. Um, But then sometimes I'll have a concept for an act or a character I want to portray and, um, you know, it'll take some time to mull over it and think about the music, think about the costume. Sometimes it can hit you all at once and you'll be like, oh, I'll get this done in like two weeks. And then sometimes it'll take you five years before you're like, okay, I'm ready to put this on on stage. Wow. Has, Has an act really taken you that long? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have one that I'm working on that's massive. Mm-hmm. It'll be my next big act, but 
it's already been in the works for about three years and wow. it's probably going to take another year and a half or so to build. So is this something that you're so, building yourself, the costume? Parts of it. I'm mm-hmm. building most of the costume. I'm actually having prosthetics built for me by another performer. Wow. Um, yeah. It's I'm super curious. Very different for me. Interesting. <laughs> I'm excited. But That's it's cool. also, it's going to be a lot of work. So. Well, uh, let's talk about your act specifically a little bit because some of my favorites are the things that you do that are like outside the box. Like, as we mentioned, um, your husband is a musician, a drummer, um, and a delightful human. Shout out. Um, <laughs> but um, I didn't know whether to use his burlesque name or his muggle name, which is why I didn't say a name. But uh, he knows who he is. Yes, he does. Um, you but, can call him Mr. Vinyl. Uh, Mr. Vinyl, sure. Uh, but so the act that you did which also as a sound guy drove me crazy the first time you did it, but your drum act where you don't have music, it's him playing the drums yeah. and you in this drum set dress <laughs> stripping to him drumming, which I'll still never forget. It's a Wasabasco show and you're about to go on and I'm me and Lauren Lieberman are running in circles going, we don't have Evelyn's music. Where's Evelyn's music? <laughs> Evelyn's music. Oh. And Doc was like, she doesn't have music. I was like, oh. So after that nasty when making the playlist would all always put silence no music evelyn has no music or something ah, so i remember so but like so an act like that is that something that you had the concept first and then built the mm-hmm. act yeah. and and how long did that act take to create considering you were working with mr vinyl to create it that took i mean i had the concept for a little while and Deadlines are a wonderful thing. Oh, yeah. When you set a deadline, (laughs) then you actually create the thing. Because that's part of the problem is, you know, sometimes you come up with a concept and you're like, well, I don't have anything right now that I'm thinking to do that for. I'll do it at some point. Right. Well, this one, I was like, well, I need a new big act. Um, I think we were doing it for the anniversary show. I think so. I think that's when it was. Yeah. So we basically, I was like, all right, let's just make this happen. I was super excited. I already had a concept for the costume. So we just, you know, I started building the drum set costume and we were talking about, we would just like, I'd work on a piece of the costume, think about how it was going to come off. And then we'd be like, okay, well, what? How, what kind of beats do we want to play with? What do we want to start with? Like, right. where, where do we want the, um, you know, the tempo to go? Um, so, like, starting out slow with that drudge that, mm-hmm. you know, walking out. that And then building up to the craziness at right. the end. So. Well, yeah, I think the part that always makes me laugh is when you're trying to get part of your dress off and you're spinning in circles and he's just hitting the symbols yeah. and hitting everything. Um, yeah, something like that. Or, like, also I think one of the first acts that, like, I have always enjoyed your work, but one of the first acts of yours that left me speechless was your Rage Against the Machine act, your soldier oh. act, because I did not see it coming. First of all, I only sort of knew you were a big rock and roll fan because <laughs> I we had a mutual love of garbage. Right. But seeing that act and the face paint and the the, the finger, it was just, it was crazy. Was that just uh, an act of the time because of what was going on in the country and, and everything? Yeah, it very much was. And it, I mean, still is. Sure. Um, when I, you know, every, I think every artist at some point realizes that they have to be political because of what is happening around them. And it was sort of the beginning of people being more vocal about certain things. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's a lot of people that I feel like have been trying to say their piece and, you know, maybe haven't gotten a chance to. And I honestly never thought of myself as a very political until mm-hmm. probably only a few years ago. Sure. So, um, I mean, I it was more of just not understanding that I was being political without right. putting a label on it. Really. Sure. Um, but when I was thinking about what was happening in the country and I, I didn't feel like I could directly comment on certain things, um, but, you know, Rage Against the Machine has always been one of my favorite bands and that song is always called to me. And so I heard it one day while I was just trying to, like, drown out all the thoughts that I was thinking about the current events and needed something to really fuel me at the gym to just, like, get out some of that energy. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, maybe this is the time that you do a political act. And, um, you know, it, it can... 
work on so many levels. Sure. It may be a soldier, but there was so much to me that rep- was representative of multiple groups. Sure. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable, honestly, doing like something to do with police. So right. I felt like maybe this was a little easier way to put commentary on multiple subjects. Sure, yeah. yeah. And the song is Killing in the Name of, of course, yeah. for the, those I didn't, I don't think we mentioned it. And yeah, it's well, it's one of those songs that's so high energy that you can't not get revved up. And then mm-hmm. to have a powerful charged act that you pretty much collapse at the end of, yeah. like, there's a release. The first time you did it at City Winery, there was this kind of release across the crowd and it was like silence for a second and then applause. And that's the kind of, I think, political informative, you know, powerful acts that we need in burlesque, mm-hmm. you know, I think especially now. You know, I Definitely. knew, you know, with all the shit that's going on, I knew we would at least get good art. Yeah, you know? that's true. And, and you know, it's a, sh- it's a shame that, you know, that's, I mean, we have a bright side, but it's not a bright side, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. Totally. Um, has there ever been a subject that you wanted to engage with, but you couldn't figure out how with burlesque? Oh gosh, yes. There, I mean, every day I come up with things that I I want to put on stage, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. Or, you know, as a person of color, uh, gosh, there's there's a lot of things to get off your one's chest yes. when you're in certain positions, away. and you 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 try to find ways to do it without um, without stepping on anyone else's toes, but also without losing your own personal narrative Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day the thing that i try to remember is i'm not speaking for other people right i'm trying to speak to the what i know Mm -hmm. and what you know what can i represent that will still be in a respectful manner for the thing that i'm representing so and and you know that's why it's so difficult to do certain acts where there's maybe this toe crossing into cultural appropriation or maybe this toe crossing into um, representing a group that you're not a part of. Right. Which was, uh, the Rage Act made me really nervous because I was like, I don't really know if this is appropriate for me to be doing. I've never been in the military. I have friends, I have friends in the military. One of my best friends uh, was in the Air Force for a Mm -hmm. long time. And it was funny because he actually asked me, he was like, so what What drove you to do that act? And I like, I had to sit down with him and I was like, we had so many conversations. He's very much a pacifist. Right. And so when he went into the military, we all kind of went, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was a lot that, not that he told me, I mean, he told me a lot of things that, you know, people who have never encountered someone in the military might not know. Right. Um, but it just, it was interesting to take the stories on that I've taken to heart Mm -hmm. and put them on stage. Sure. Would you say something like that fueled your not your kind of people act? The garbage act that you do? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that is still very much a work in progress. I actually just did a version of it in Nashville, um, but it was not to music and I just stripped out of the costume and I talked. Interesting. That's cool. Completely unscripted. I just spoke from the heart um, and basically said, you know, I'm tired of people asking me what I am. Yeah. As if I'm some alien creature instead of a human being. And as if what my ethnicity is matters, you know, to somebody else who doesn't know me. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, So that was. A bit. <laughs> I did. I did that act one weekend, and then the next weekend I did Rage twice. <laughs> oh boy! In that must weekend, have been. Intru- so. Do you ever feel drained doing the more emotionally charged acts? Oh yeah. Yeah. I when I did uh, Rage for the Vancouver Burlesque Festival uh, earlier this year, I actually collapsed backstage. Um, wow. I came off stage like shaking Mm -hmm. because I had so much adrenaline and so much emotion and the stage manager came over to give me a hug because she loved the act and I just collapsed into her arms oh my god and started bawling and I was like I'm sorry I don't know what's (laughs) happening I just broke so and then I had a um 
a 15-year military veteran come up to me after the show and thank me for doing that act and representing, you know, a side of what happens Wow. Two soldiers, and I just started bawling. Of course, again. sure. I was like, hey, yeah. okay, thank you for your service. Oh, God, why are you faint? Like, it was yeah. so overwhelming. So, yeah, it, you know, we try not to use art as therapy all the time because sure. it's not, number one, it's not healthy. Right. Number two, it's not entertaining. No. Well, at the end of the day, we're there to be entertaining. Sure. And if we're not doing that part, then we're not doing our job. Right. But sometimes you create act and you don't realize that that's where that's going until yeah. you do it. And then you're like, oh, wow, I need to sleep for the next 24 hours. <laughs> well, you're no stranger to doing sillier acts as well, yeah. um, like your Garfield act and your Jazzercise <laughs> act. True. Um, do you find that creating the, the narrative, more serious kind of personal feeling acts to be easier or harder to make than the goofier kind of sillier acts? Oh, gosh. Um, or are they both difficult for different reasons? They're difficult for different reasons. Comedy is hard. <laughs> Comedy is real hard. I was terrified when I did Jazzercise. I was like, this is so not funny. I'm the only person that's going to think this is funny. This is ridiculous. I, like, I had no idea what I was doing. Right. It was supposed to be a one-off. But it didn't. It ended but up it having didn't. light. Well, because, I mean, I think also the good thing about, especially Wasabasco's crowd, but a lot of the New York burlesque scene in general is that they're of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Like, they tend to be more in their either late 20s, early 30s, or towards their 40s. Like, that range. Mm-hmm. And so all of them know what Jazzercise and Olivia Newton-John and all that stuff, which is more or less the kind of thing you were aping, which I, yeah. I loved. Um where did so like so for that act as an example where you just pretty much come on as a jazzercise instructor until you're naked and then go away where does an idea like that come from is it just something that you were amused by and was like I wonder if I can do that in burlesque yeah well so I made it for a Labor Day show (laughs) (laughs) because Nasty goes well you know acts related to work and I was like, uh, what about working out? Can we do that? <laughs> like, I, I just had, a, like, a total blank. And I was like, I don't I don't know. what a, My job is this. My yeah. job is this. What I work I in burlesque. I work in burlesque. What am I supposed to do? So, and then I, I forget how I came across it. But I, I mean, I had, I had had the idea of doing some sort of 80s workout sure. act before. And then I came across this horrible horrible jazzercise video is that the audio that you're using audio that i use in the act and i i was dying because the moves were so ridiculous and that that one little like weird elbow like bent elbow move that i do that's actually part of the video that's hilarious that is in the video and i was like well that has to stay right like some of the moves i borrowed directly from the video because i was like these are too good to not be like yeah that's that's the jazzercise (laughs) you know so but yeah i mean I just thought it was ridiculous, and I was like, well, I'll slap this. Yeah. will be easy. I'll just put it together. I'll never do it again because it's so stupid. Like, it's too stupid. Clearly, that's not a thing in burlesque, yeah. but, you know. Well, I've heard other performers say, like, they've designed one-offs that they thought nobody would care for, or they'd never do again, and then they mm-hmm. end up becoming their bread and butter sometimes. And it's like, you never know what people are going to be into or interested in, which I think is amazing. Are you ever surprised by the reaction when you do an act? Like oh, from the crowd? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I jazzercised. I was super surprised that people were so gung ho about it. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, this is really dumb. I mean, I rage again, going yeah. back to that. I was so surprised at the react reaction to that. When I did it at uh, the 10th anniversary for Wasabasco, yeah. I, I mean, I was still terrified cause I didn't know what the reaction would be. I did not expect to look out into the crowd and see an entire crowd headbanging. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty that cool. Was amazing, That's and I cool. felt like a rock star. And <laughs> yeah, I was right. Like, okay, maybe this is a thing. <laughs> but yeah, you never know what a crowd is going to react to. You could do the most basic, classic, straightforward striptease. Mm-hmm. and you do it in one venue, and people are like, "Oh, that's really pretty." Clap, clap, clap. Um, and then you do it someplace else where they haven't seen enough of that kind of art and they are minds blown uh, yeah. like, this was the most 
gorgeous, beautiful, empowering. And you're like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> and that's how, some, how I feel in Nashville sometimes because the community is so small that mm-hmm. like people are still very much discovering that burlesque happens there and they've lived there. And they've like gone by venues with sure. burlesque all the time, and they just have no idea. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look at New York very differently now that I know that, like, I'm sure. I'm so plugged into the burlesque industry now, way more than I was when I first started. You oh, know. Yeah. And so, like, I, I forget, um, I forget, like, that it's everywhere. There's mm-hmm. so much of it, and I think it's great because, like, also when I first started seeing burlesque. I don't know if there was less of it, but I definitely engaged with less of it. Like, I knew Watson Bosco. I worked with Duck and Nasty. And, like, I was like, all right, this is a thing that I do. And then as I met more people and started to grow, I was like, oh, this is literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I want to move on to talk about... I don't know if I'll get in trouble for this. Um, Yeah. No. But, But... We don't have to talk about it if you don't feel comfortable, but, like, I'm interested, especially since I feel like I have less in the conversation other than to be an ally, but the whole slipper room thing. Like, I have not mm-hmm. performed there. Um, well, a show I was supposed to be in was canceled mm-hmm. and didn't perform there, which is great, and I have not worked there since. I was supposed to be in Petite Renard's BoJack. I, oh, I was in Petite Renard's BoJack uh, Horseman show, okay. and they were yeah. supposed to be in that. They were away as soon as they got back to town, and they canceled that slipper room and then rebooked somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's shitty, and I'm not going to bash on James because enough people have done that, and I've done it on the internet, and he can find it if he wants. But, like, I don't want to. I don't want to paint a target on on the people who are still performing there. You got to do your thing. But is it something that you feel like you could never forgive that you would never perform at? I don't know if you performed there when you were here back in New yeah, York. Yeah, I used to perform there regularly, and. You know, I actually, this trip was supposed to perform there a couple of times. Um, I had to, I had to do a lot of thinking on that. Yeah. Uh, we've been dealing with some stuff in Nashville as well. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I took a moment to think for myself about how I personally felt about it. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely disappointed yeah. I'm of course. discouraged and feel like there's so much potential in that venue. Yeah. That I'm mad at certain people. Yeah. And totally don't care that other you know, yeah. I I I'm know. trying so hard to be political. I like, know politically, uh, I, and I don't, and I don't want, I, I don't want you to get in trouble with anybody. I think for me, yeah, it's no. just, it's disappointing that there was an incident years ago yeah. that was in the same vein, right? And then this incident happens, and the reaction was unapologetic and yeah. freedom of speech, blah blah blah. And, and I'm just, it's a shame that people pull that shit. And it's not the first time this has happened in burlesque, right. like you know. with blackface and with people saying words they shouldn't be saying like and it's always unacceptable but what 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 astonishes me is the lack of apology or understanding for it oh yeah no totally well and that's that's the thing i'm i think i'm actually more people people don't know what to do in certain situations when they are confronted especially when they're confronted at being wrong yeah People get defensive. That's yeah. a that's a natural reaction because you're freaking out. Right. You're not sure what to do. But if it's later and you're still having that reaction, I'm a little less inclined to give you any sort of wiggle room whatsoever. Yeah. So, you know, I, I canceled my gigs there. Um, and I'm sad to do it because that place, not not that person. The, pl- the venue is incredible. The venue is incredible. It's been a place of history and art and so many things together, including circus, which yeah. uh, like that has a place in my heart too. So I try to separate the person from the, the person venue. from the venue because yeah. I think for me, the important part he yeah he's he's made his bed. He yeah. dug the hole deep enough. <laughs> That I think, hate to say it, but it's fairly obvious that just gonna have to 
stay away. Like, yeah. I, you know, there's only so much talking at a person that you can do before you're like, well, okay, clearly yeah. this is not going anywhere. So, and it's a shame. It's yeah. really a shame. I'm, I'm sad that that's the case because... It's supposed to be about fun and art. It's supposed to be about fun and art, and we are supposed to be political, and we can be, but there are certain people that don't get to, you know, think the way that he was thinking. And um, I think that I probably will not perform there again, Mm -hmm. which also saddens me. Yeah. But... um, and you know it's not popular. Yeah. My 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 take on it is also not popular. I yeah. feel like we're all kind of at odds. It's there's no it's things. a gray area. It's I mean, very much a gray area. I I I think the Nashville situation uh at which I won't go into simply because there's just so much. I mean also right. you don't know the people so it's a little right. bit different. But, sure. Um to me, that situation was a lot more cut and dry. Right. Um, I don't know. It. I know it's, it's tough. It's so it's so tough. Like I I cannot perform there again because there's just too much involved in that that frustrates me. Yeah. Um, I don't get mad at the majority of the performers that are still there. Sure. Um, I do wonder. Yeah. If they speak up at all if they have any sort of conversations mm-hmm. going if they if they themselves think about it at all yeah because if they don't then that's when i am concerned yeah if they don't think that there's any problem whatsoever then i definitely have a problem with them sure um because there there's a problem in this country yeah and if you can't understand how that's related to those things like the privilege and the yeah it just it baffles me mm-hmm. but also i'm not surprised yeah and i guess maybe that's why i'm able to have a little more calm not calm reaction because it wasn't calm i was mad but right i've been mad for 34 years because my existence on this planet has been questioned right and, like picked apart and you know and any person of color has dealt with that in some way, in all the ways, you know. Yeah. And, and certainly I don't have the same experience as the next person, so I can't speak to how they feel about it. And yeah. I feel like the thing that gets forgotten is that we are, we're going on our own experiences, yeah. our life experiences. There are certain things I will directly say, yeah, no, that's wrong. Right. This was wrong, but then it's going forward from that. How are we having conversations? Yeah. Because if we're just getting mad at everyone, if we're just writing everyone off mm-hmm. for everything, and again, I'm not talking about him. Yeah. I'm talking about everyone else because right. he's not going to change. He's not going to change. And it's at that point not about him. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's about continuing the conversation and growing yeah. as a community. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I, you know, as a straight presenting white dude, I try and just be quiet and listen mm-hmm. whenever I can. But like, whenever people share publicly their experience with that or something he said to them, like I'm like, this is ridiculous. How can you? But you know, but I agree. I think it's I think it's a bigger problem now this time around because. Of where we are in this country, sure. And it happened. And something racially charged happened again that was inexcusable. And we're supposed to be trying to be more tolerant, more understanding, and and grow as a community, not totally. not pull that crap. Right. So. Well, and it's also it's interesting because I was having a conversation with uh, another performer who doesn't do burlesque, and she. Uh, is dating a person of color and had had discussions with him about things that were going on. And he basically said, what does it matter to me what that some white girl won't perform yeah. with some other person, white person, because of this thing? Yeah, right. And I was like, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, you're absolutely <laughs> it's, it's right. That scale of importance. Right. Like, I I want to focus my energy on. Hey, let's maybe make sure that people of color are equal in this country yeah. instead of wondering whether or not you're this person's going to take their clothes off at a bar. Yeah. Like I. And again, I, I hate to put it that way because I'm like, well, this is my career. And right. I'm not trying to, you know, I am still trying to work. I'm still trying to make money. But at the end of the day, where is, where is the energy being directed at? Sure. Because if it is, you know, I do think that it starts with the small things of like not letting things fly. But I do also think that there's a limit to how much energy you can spend on those things. Yeah. No, I would I would completely agree. And I think when it comes down to it, you have to manage yourself the best you can. Mm-hmm. And just try and engage and manage to the best of your abilities. Because yeah. if you bury yourself on the little things, then you don't have the capacity for anything else. Exactly. Um changing the subject completely and <laughs> stepping away from that. Um, has there, in your adult life, now that you've been doing burlesque for, for over seven years, has there been any other arts you've wanted to dabble in besides just burlesque? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've really tried a little bit of everything. Yeah. I, I used to joke about being a Renaissance woman. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, no, that actually is kind of my goal. Like, I get really fascinated by different forms of art or different um, activities. And so I'll get super excited. You know, I used to I used to be a power lifter. And now I mostly just do aerial. Um, I mean, I love, I'd love to have circus be a major part of my life sure. now. Like, I'd been doing it on and off for a couple of years but now i think i might actually go to circus school that's amazing <laughs> yeah. that's awesome I'm, I'm contemplating it i'm i'm thinking about it it's a little terrifying because sure. i'm like well i'm in my mid-30s is this really like mm, is this a little too late to be it's trying never this? too you late know? um but yeah so i mean i've tried every form of art used to be a figure skater really like i said i did fine arts yeah i didn't know that yeah i was a competitive figure skater for eight and a half years when i was a kid wow that's awesome why'd you stop uh it's a lot of work (laughs) i'm sure i mean i was in the ice rink six ish six to eight hours a day six to seven days a week i didn't have a life as a kid i was just constantly at the rink it's expensive of sport people don't really think about it between ice time and costumes and skates and <laughs> sharpening the skates and your coaches i had three different coaches at the same time at the same time <laughs> um i trained with with an olympian at one point so like that was an extra you know it just it's very expensive and very time consuming and when you're 12 and you're like i don't ever see friends do i have <laughs> friends then you're just like mm. Maybe this is not for me. Are you still a really good skater? Mm. <laughs> I actually don't even remember the last time I was on an... Mm. I probably was at, like, Rockefeller Center oh, wow. maybe once. <laughs> or no, uh, Bryant Park. Oh. I went skating there, yeah, there a few years ago, but that was... It was not quite the same. Not quite the same. When you're just circling around, you know, you can't really figure out what else you can do if you're just going forward. That's fair. I can barely stay on my feet on ice skates, so I... Well, you... they're two millimeters wide, so... Yeah. It's it's difficult. Well, men, sometimes the hockey skates, they're different, but... I, I wouldn't have been able to stand on those either. I'm not I'm not graceful on rollerblades, roller skates, ice skates. It doesn't matter. It's it's fine. Um, well, I didn't I didn't actually know that you had in, uh, dabbled in so many different things. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I also I met you. It's funny when you meet someone doing burlesque, you kind of don't know any. Like, there's this running gag with the people that I've had on the show, at least, is that most of them have a theater background. That's kind of where a lot of it starts. Sure. Um, though not for everybody, um, but I you forget that. You know, you take on this persona and become someone else. Um, and it's just interesting to me. Uh, is that I, is that shift hard for you? I know that you have a sister that you share this life with, and mm-hmm. um, she's wonderful and very sweet. Um, but do you find, do you ever think about your other life, the the other, the other the stuff, muggle me. the muggle you? 
Yeah. Because uh, I, I have to imagine, for the most part, you go by your burlesque name with most people. Yeah, for the most part. And especially in Nashville now that, like, I have less people that didn't know me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there were some people in New York that knew me outside of burlesque. Mm-hmm. Um but that wasn't a very large group. Right. I was mostly CrossFit friends at that point, but then they knew they knew about me, so right. they came to shows. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mostly go by Evelyn now. Um, it's funny. I never knew your muggle name until you got married. Right. Because I saw you get tagged in a photo. Oh, God. Yeah. That is so... The, that's the most... Because... It's such a pain. And, like, how do you... You can't really manage it. You right. can't. Like... Yeah. You, Living a double life gets to be so complicated after a certain point. And yeah. I, I wouldn't have a problem with it if it weren't for the fact that not all of my family knows. Right. And they, I don't think they can handle it. Right. Which, which is fair. And yeah, it's one of those things that I actually prefer to not know performers' real names. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think I only know a handful. Like, to me, Nasty is Nasty. I don't actually sure. know her real name. Yeah. And I don't need to because Nasty is her real name. Right. But then I'll also, like, f- I found out Hazel's and, and Kita's just through Facebook. And I was sure. like, that's not your name. <laughs> yeah, that's, no. that's not That's not your name. That's not right. But it's like, also, like, it was funny. So I DJed. So I'm sure you remember the nonsense that Stella and and Jeff Marriott went through yeah, when they got married. Yeah, and so I offered to DJ the family wedding for free because I wanted to provide a service and, and yeah. leave some tension. And I had to get a talking to from Jeff about what her muggle name was because that's all they were going to call her at right. that wedding. Yeah. And, like, even I would hear her, like, her parents would come and ask me something about her. I'd be like, in my brain, I'd be like, who? <laughs> oh, Stella. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's difficult. You know, but but it's also, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because, like, even I do it a little bit. You know, I go by Stormageddon, but I, I don't hide that I'm a DJ in burlesque and that I host right. some burlesque shows. Like, it, it is what it is at this point. Sure. But um, uh, some people at shows will, call, will say Matt and I won't always respond. Right. Just because I'm so used to responding to Stormageddon. Oh, yeah. And do, do you, <laughs> is that something that you ever get used to? The name thing drives me insane. Does it? The amount of times that people will introduce themselves to me and they'll be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I'll be like, hi, I'm... Wait, what situation is this? Can I talk to the... Wait, yeah. should, which name... Like, I'll have a blip in my yeah. brain where I just go, I... Um... And they look at me like I'm crazy because they're like, you don't know your own name? And I'm like, no, but... It's a thing. Just hold on. And then I have to gauge whether or not I have to explain myself. Right. Because that's always fun, too. I think my favorite thing about my parents is once they knew I got involved in burlesque, they were very happy that I was just working and DJing and doing stuff. Sure. Um, and then I would tell them some Like, I think it was when Hazel Honeysuckle was on the podcast. I was still at my parents' place at the time, and I introduced her as Hazel Honeysuckle. They were very nice. And they're like, your friend, your blessed friends have interesting names. I'm like, <laughs> yes, they do. Or like having to send an invitation to my wedding to Nasty Canasta <laughs> and oh, Doc Bosca. Like, sending out mail with those names on it is my favorite. Because like, you got to imagine the mailman's like, what the what fuck? What is this? Yeah, no. Uh, my wedding was slightly stressful because I had several showgirls in there and I couldn't say their stage names. Oh. And so having to be like, right, need to use these other names. Yeah. Okay. And my <laughs> parent, you know, and it was hilarious because Doc was the efficient. And he's still Doc. And he's still Doc. Like, I I finally gave up on that because I could not say his real. I was just like, yeah. I, this is not, this not working your, yeah. for me. I yeah. will screw it up. So, but if I just say, like, I just told my parents, oh, it's his nickname. It's Doc, yeah. And they were like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. They totally got, they, like, my friends growing up gave me nicknames all the time. So they that didn't bat an eye. But it was hilarious because uh, Doc had my muggle name in giant red Sharpie letters. <laughs> At the cro- top of every single piece of paper. Just so he would remember. Suite, just yeah. so he would remember not to call me Evelyn. And right. it was hilarious because I like as we were doing this really beautiful moment and he's saying these amazing things and I'm looking at my husband to be and then I look over and I realize that my he's got these giant and then 
giant red letters. I just started cracking up. Of like, course, how could you not? I would love to see a video of this because it was probably me being all like, oh, star, like stars in my eyes and happy and everything. And then I just died laughing yeah I was like oh my god well it's, it's one of those things that i feel like you sort of never get used to when you're living a double life yeah no you know i mean i had nicknames too like i mean because my last name is storm people called me storm a lot because there were a lot of maths especially uh, when you're yes. jewish there's a lot yep. of maths mm-hmm. um and so like i'm kind of used to that but still sometimes i i forget or sure. I, I don't remember. Or, like, I remember the first couple of times I forgot to introduce myself as as Stormageddon. Nasty was like, your name is Stormageddon. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. When you start as a performer, I feel like that was the hardest thing was trying to remember. Oh, right. I have to maintain this persona and make sure that I'm the consistency with that. And it just, it's so bizarre yeah I had, so a f- bizarre. I had a first recently when i was kittening the bojack horseman show as todd uh, we <laughs> that's yes. awesome yes i was todd chavez um petite in both um um uh, raffle bags had wanted signed posters so we had to sign uh, the, the cast had to sign yeah. the posters I've never signed Stormageddon before. Uh, if you put the two posters next to each other, the signatures are different. Oh, I'm sorry. Because I just couldn't. Like, she said, oh, sign it. And I was like, okay, but you have to sign a Stormageddon. What does that look like? It'll probably be completely inconsistent because I don't know when the next time I'll sign something under that name was. But it was really funny to me that I was like, uh, do I do it like my muggle name but with the letters of storm how do i yep yeah yeah no the first time i signed anything i didn't i panicked because i was like i can't i mean i'm sure certainly not signing in cursive yeah because i don't even think my i mean the only (laughs) time i use cursive is to sign my name right yeah who uses cursive anymore so literally anytime i sign my name now on posters or whatever it's all in capital giant <laughs> letters. letters where it's just each individual E V E like it's <laughs> it looks stupid. It looks really stupid, but I'm like, I this is how I make it easy for myself. Yeah, this is the only way I can do this. Only way. But yeah. <laughs> um so uh talk a little bit about your your direction in burlesque and what you want to do. You said that you would love to work in circus and go to circus mm-hmm. school, but as far as your burlesque acts go and and where the like you talked about this three year plus act that you're working on mm-hmm. and some other stuff, but do you have any like really big plans or goals for the next year or few years to to grow your your brand and oh, burlesque in general? Um. Yeah, I mean, I do want to expand my brand. I mean, also as a costume designer, um, you know, I have Blue Lawless, which is my design company. I'm Um, not ashamed to admit that I have a G-string by Blue Lawless. Yeah. uh, Which was a, um, was that for my wedding? Yeah. Yes, it was for my wedding. It was my wedding present to my wife was a G-string that you made with little guitars on it. The best was when you would text me the images of the fabric. Like, I had to hide it from her. Because, like, we're sitting together, and I'm like, she's like, what is it? I was like, oh, nothing. Nothing. Um, I'll probably want more of those at some point. But, uh, but um, so, yeah. So, what, actually, let's talk about, let's shift slightly and talk about Blue Lawless. Because I know some of that came from you just making your own stuff to wear. Mm-hmm. But um, did you always want to set out to create your kind of own design and clothing line? Um, I mean, I I got a little burnt out when I was a costume designer for theater. Yeah. And I loved my job, but it just was so... <sighs> the bureaucracy of theater and just, you know, creating for other people's sure. ideas. Um, but creating for burlesque lends itself to a little bit more of my own personal touch on things. Right. Um, for the most part, people have been amazing in trusting me with my own designs and my own thoughts about how they can translate their ideas and my ideas together. Kind of makes you more like a fashion designer than a costumer. Yeah, totally. So that's been kind of an amazing switch for me is mm-hmm. being able to work on full costumes or just the lingerie. Um, you know, when I knew I was moving to Nashville, I was like, well, now I have to figure out how to cover certain bits. Yeah, that's the v- vortex. Yeah, so you have to cover the vortex and the underboob, which is also called neethage. Neethage? Neethage. The things it's you the learn. Most horrible name for a part of a person's body. Yeah, I remember how giddy, uh, I believe it was Sapphire was, to talk about 
the vortex. Yes. Um, but which is not a term I ever heard before. It's it just seems so strange. But I mean, your designs are incredible. The way you've oh, like you. created this, you know, this tease with the clothing, which is the point, but while still covering those things. Yeah. Um, and so is that kind of where the strength of Blue Loss came from, knowing that you needed to make this clo- these, yeah. these different costume bits? Yeah. I started creating my own versions of what I had seen other girls doing down there already and um, was trying to figure out. I was like, well, there's got to be a way to make this still pretty naked, but also creative, like right. making it different. Cause the, and. The thing that I had already been thinking about was every time I saw people performing here, I would just get so... I was like, okay, micro thongs. Yes, I get it. It's the tiniest thing. You wear the most naked. You could Great. Do, you can do more than that, it's though. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah, know? sure. And not to say that there's not creative people here that are doing yeah. different things, but it just... I, I feel like sometimes it gets to that point where you're like, well, I'm just going to go to Rainbow and grab that thong and yeah. bra and cover the bra and thong and... Called done, which yeah. totally for most acts, yeah. Some you know when you're performing in a bar and throwing your shit on the floor. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to make something super fancy, but I do think it's really fun to make the like those laws have made me be more creative, sure. and not just with the lingerie. It's right. made me be more creative with lots of different things. Like I've, I feel like I'm thinking a little more outside the box with my costuming now because of those laws because mm-hmm. then when I have to put something over those things I have to think about well what's gonna um be consistent with these shapes with this body like you know it, it forces you to try something different which is great yeah I mean, again, I'd never worn a G-string before. So us talking about it and you asking me very logical, logistical (laughs) questions. And I'm like, "Um, I don't know. I'll get back to you. Um, Well, men's men's underwear and stuff has been different. I've made like one or two other things. One I made for myself for my Everett suede character. So um, which was interesting because yeah. then I had to make decisions for myself about things that I was not expecting to think about ever but you know yeah it's it, 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 I, I think the thing I love about burlesque most is it's been very freeing for me sexually just to kind of be okay with sex and sexuality mm-hmm. in a way that there's not as much awkwardness for me that I see in other people that you know in day to day that I was like oh I used to be like that because yeah. you know it, it it's also the way we're raised and you know there's a lot sure. of that that around us but it's it's really freeing to just talk about that stuff like I often and I've said several times on this podcast already so someone's gonna hold me to it but I want to take a boy less class yeah. not because I necessarily think I will perform although I do have ideas for acts because it's impossible not to yep um, especially when you get around enough performers where they start talking about ideas and and then you're like oh you know what would be really cool yeah, yeah it never ends um but I think also because it would just make me more comfortable with my body. My body's mm-hmm. changing. I've put on some weight, and, you know, it's changed. I don't know that I hate that, but I'm trying to get more f- physically fit again. And also, it just would make me feel comfortable in my own skin, you know? Sure. Because everyone's got that moment where you look in the mirror and go, ugh. <laughs> you know? And we all do. Yeah. We and, all do. And, and there's nothing wrong with me, and there's nothing wrong with those people. It's just sometimes you have those days. Mm-hmm. And I think taking one of those classes would like make me feel comfortable. Also, I'd be taking it with either Chris Harder or Tigger or someone sure. who knows me. And so my awkwardness will get a laugh. We'll work through it. And it would be. I think it would be fun. Yeah, um, definitely. Me, me, I think everybody should at some point take a class, a burlesque class, and experience what it's like to take their clothes off like yeah. in a fun way and tease and be because you know I you know yes it's a tease and yeah. it's all of those things but I kind of actually really love the fact that I'm no longer phased by nudity at all at all like it doesn't have to be sexual uh-huh and that is something that I think is maybe even more important than mm-hmm. the tease when it comes to burlesque like getting people outside of that thought that nudity is mm-hmm. sexual all the time i think would be really important yeah. for you know changing ideas 
I agree. I mean, there's a point now where, like, my brain actually doesn't filter whether someone's dressed or not sometimes mm-hmm. backstage when I'm talking to them. Like, like I don't honestly know if Nasty Canasta is ever wearing clothes at this point. So just because, you know, you get to Invariably, a point... Invariably, she's not. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but no, but there would be times where, like, I'm backstage with you and, and Nasty and Medi Noche. Just name some of the people that I've been backstage with the most. And it's like my brain just doesn't filter anymore. We're having a conversation. Usually it's business-related or we're just catching up. And, like, my brain doesn't even make the connection sometimes. Oh, yeah. Now, of course, there are plenty of times where plenty of performers, of course, they're beautiful. And they're really great sexually charged acts and, you know... It's not that I don't notice them. It's just the casual nudity kind of just rolls off now. Yeah. And totally. I and that's super freeing because it's then it's literally yeah. like, hey, we're just gonna chat and we're both naked. Who cares? Like Whatever. you know, uh, and and I think that's that's very powerful. Yeah. Because that automatically gives you confidence. Yeah. Because you a lot of the awkwardness falls away. Yeah, the awkwardness falls away, and it's also just feeling more normal in your own skin. Sure. Which uh, everybody should. Everybody really should. It. I feel like it would go a long way for a lot of people to not have that thing in the back of their head that says if they're naked, they're, they have to be with someone that they're about to have sex with right. or that they're about to take a shower. Like, there's just... It shouldn't be a thing. Right. It shouldn't be a thing. No, I agree. I mean, we have a saying in my house, which is pants are for suckers. <laughs> I like that. Uh, my, my, my wife, Sarah, came up with it. Um, it's not my I, mine. I just quote it. But, but seriously, it. like, when I come home, unless I have someone coming over, it's literally the clothes are peeled off as I'm headed to the bedroom. Like, who wants to be dressed? Yeah. Unless you have yeah. to. Um, and I think that's something that I, I, like, I always felt that growing up and, like, even when I lived on my own. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't always know if other people feel that way. Sure. And so it's freeing to find out that other people feel that way because it's like, yeah, of course. Oh, I regularly, <laughs> I'm walking around my house in my underwear all the time because if I'm in the sewing room, I'm trying to build something and I need to sometimes try it on. Yeah. So what's the point of putting any pants take on? It off, I gotta take, take it, it off. Take it off. Yeah. yeah. And also just. It's convenience. Yeah, it's convenience. Well, I also sort of forget about these things, so I'll be in a store and I'll want to try something on. And you just start to get I've undressed. I've definitely almost <laughs> taken off my shirt in the middle of a store to try something on, and my husband's like, hey, um, uh, should you? You probably shouldn't do that. Oh, oh right, yeah. <laughs> That's actually something I never thought about. That's very funny. I have no sensor anymore. I have no gauge. Sometimes yeah. I'll say stuff in front of my parents i mean not burlesque right. related but, but it's just, just something lewd. so casual yeah and then i'm like oh my god what did, what I, just did I just say yeah <laughs> yeah so my brother tries to give me a hard time sometimes about like when i was getting married he's like oh we're gonna hire strippers and blah 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 because i didn't want to go to a strip club because i go to burlesque that's better for me like they're there's Sorry. more art more performance not that there's anything wrong with strippers and strip clubs i just have no interest in seeing that because that's mostly just sexually charged and that's not the sure. thing i'm interested in but then once i said well yeah we can go to strip club but i'll probably know some of them and probably just chat he's like that's stop and then like would wander <laughs> off it just frustrated him that made him uncomfortable that Aww. i was so okay with it so I got mad at my husband's uh, groomsmen because they almost didn't take him to a strip club. And I was like, I texted them. I was like, if you don't take my husband to a strip club, I'm going to be mad at all of you. And you're <laughs> disinvited to the wedding. Like, take like my how husband. dare you? How dare you? Take my husband to the damn strip club. Like, come on. <laughs> I never take him anymore. We don't have time. Like, just take him. Um, do, does uh, Mr. Vinyl get to go to any of the shows that you do? He tries. Yeah. Um it's so difficult when you're both doing gigs and you're like, oh, maybe if I run over, I might catch the last half hour of yeah. the gig. And most of the time, you know, if he's playing multiple sets somewhere, I end up, you know, showing up at the tail end of his gig. And yeah. So he doesn't get to see shows that often, but we try to make it out to each other's when we can. Yeah, it's not something I realized until recently that when you're both artists trying to do art stuff... There's not a lot of, yeah. you know. Also, it's one of those things, like, I'm going to more burlesque now, but for a while I was, like, I think somewhere around the three- or four-year mark of being in the industry, I didn't want to go to shows because I was working so many shows. Oh, Have you experienced yeah. that where, like, you don't want to be an audience member because you're just oh fatigued? So often. <laughs> I feel really bad because yeah. I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to see that show. There were shows in New York that I still have never seen because they were, and they were going on while yeah. I was here for, you know, however long. It, but 
I just could not. The yeah. thought of going out, well, and especially in New York, yeah. like the hassle it takes, you know, I'm as I'm remembering now, getting yes. on the train and how long it takes to get anywhere on the train. But, you know, even in Nashville, I've been really slacking and I'm like, oh, I swear I'm going to come out to your show at some point when I'm not working or hiding in my house because <laughs> I don't want to go out yet. Yeah, I've been there. It's, it's very easy to become a homebody, especially when you live with your best friend. As cheesy as that sounds, it's like, oh, I can yeah. just hang out with you. I don't have to go hang out with other people. Exactly. Not that I'm belittling my friends. I love you all. But like, <laughs> this is a friend that I can be naked with. Well, no, I can do that with my friends too. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's You know what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's very easy to become kind of just a recluse. I'm like, I'm just going to sit in a corner and do... But it's also self-preservation because sure. we need those moments of, uh, and even sometimes I even have to tell my husband to just go down, go down to his studio because yeah. he's he's got the basement studio that's his. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, go go play for a little while. Like I <laughs> I, I need I, a minute. I just need my space. <laughs> I don't even. I lock the cat out of the room. <laughs> like I just need a, like an hour yeah. of uninterrupted anything. Whether yeah. it's stretching doing handstands sewing whatever it is but you know you have to take that time for yourself and i think that's the hardest thing to do in new york because you're surrounded by people and stuff and stuff and things to do and there's that urgency of oh but i might be missing out on something and it's like fomo is real real. uh so real and i get it all the time like every time i'm not at a thing and then i see people posting about the thing i'm like i want to be at the thing Oh, yeah, festivals all the time. I'll see people post, and I'm like, oh, I guess I should have applied. Yeah. No, yeah, I want to go. I haven't gone to the Burlesque Hall of Fame yet um, because they don't really need DJs out there. There's plenty (laughs) of them. Um, But I have friends in Vegas, and it's like I've really wanted to go. Like, I talk to to, um, Alex Collard all the time about going because she goes with Ivory, Mm -hmm. uh, Miss Poison Ivory, all the time, and... Just hangs out with folks and goes to shows, you know. Yeah. And so I, I should really do that because I know I'd have a good time. It's just one of those things it's where it's fun. like, you know, it's a trek and I'm not. Although the, the secret was I found out most blessed performers don't do festivals for the money. They do it for everything else. Well, yeah. Because festivals, sometimes you leave mm-hmm. with less than you got there with. Oh, yeah. Most festivals, you don't get really paid a whole lot. It's a great experience to go. Right. And you also do a lot of networking. When right. You do Which is what I keep hearing. Yeah. yeah. That's the important part. Like, I will always go back when Van- if Vancouver wants me. Yeah. I will go there. Hear that, Vancouver? <laughs> I love you so much. Um, I have such a good time every time I go. The ladies of Vancouver are amazing. They take such good care of you. And also, it's just a fun city. Mm-hmm. And then you get to meet all these other people who are coming to that really fun city. And it just it's such a great um, experience to be with those people in a place that neither of you are from. So you kind of have this weird, like, oh, let's explore together and sure. hang out and see what this food is like and these <laughs> cocktails and stuff like that so um yeah festivals are really great for that reason you don't really go for the money because it's generally they're not paying that well anyway but um but yeah the experience and especially behoff with vegas yeah vegas is such a trip yeah i mean i it's a kind of scary place to be sometimes sure but it's pretty interesting very cool yeah well, um, I've already kept you about an hour, and so I will release you back into the wild. But um, but before we wrap up, where can uh, people find you on the internet to keep up with Evelyn Vinyl? Oh, gosh. Well, there's EvelynVinyl.com. Uh, there's my Blue Lawless Etsy store. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Evelyn Vinyl on most social media. Stupid Instagram got me kicked off once, so it's now EVE Vinyl, so Eve Vinyl. Okay. But my name is still Evelyn Vinyl because the <laughs> amount of people who have called me Eve. Oh, that was like when Danger I'm... Doll lost her name on Facebook oh, and everyone kept calling her Dinah, and she's yeah. like, that's not my name. That's but... not my name. I know, yeah. Other oh, like, name I get thing. It. But no. My but, wife yeah. can't change her name to Storm on Facebook, even though she took my name because really? cause Facebook thinks it's a fake name. Oh, for... <laughs> Yeah. 
that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like, and when, and she's like, I'm not sending Facebook my fucking marriage certificate. Yeah, no, that's like, bullshit. That's fine. That's total. Bullshit. But I thought that was hilarious. That's ridiculous. Um, well, I, I, I encourage everyone to check out your stuff. Do you have any of your performances on YouTube and stuff like that? I do. Um, you know, I just discovered that YouTube deleted a bunch of my videos. Oh, no. Apparently this has been happening to a bunch of performers. That sucks. So yeah, YouTube, YouTube's been making a bunch of changes. I've yeah. been having difficulty with it too. Uh, there's a couple of things on there. There's a couple of, um, trying to figure out where else there's. I think there's some videos on Vimeo. Yes, there should be. I feel Probably. like Bosco has definitely posted yeah, some Blas stuff. Yeah, Bosco has posted some stuff. I think my Vancouver performances are all on. Your Vimeo. starring role in the superhero promo for oh the God. superhero show. Every time that gets posted, I, I love it. A oh, it's bit so great! Inside. It's so great. <laughs> it's so um, but my soap opera debut. <laughs> but seriously, thank you for coming on the show. Thank We've been friends for so long, me. and it's just. It's killed me that I haven't been able to get you on, so... Yeah, well, like we've talked about before, it's, <laughs> we're both terrible at making plans, so... It requires effort and forethought, and that's why, like, I think it was four or five days ago I emailed you going, you're still coming, right? Oh, yeah. Like, because I, I didn't even... I wasn't even bothered because it just been so long since I had booked you, and I was yeah, like... Totally. But uh But thank you for coming on the show. It's yeah, been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. My last favor is we have a saying on this podcast and my other podcast, which is music is life and life is good. So can you sign us off? Yeah. Music is life and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life and life is good.